Happy New Year. Welcome to Today We Laughed and Learned. Happy 2024. It's me, Chris. And again, I'm all alone, but that's okay. Deb's going to be joining me next week. So you get to actually laugh along with us. So I hope everyone had a great holiday season. I hope it was peaceful and joyful. And I hope the new year is happy and healthy and prosperous for everyone. So honestly, the poor podcast got dropped like a hot potato for the past couple of weeks. And that's okay. It's okay. I spent the week, couple of weeks spending time with family, kind of relaxing, chilling, kind of gearing myself up for the new year and all the things that are going to come to us this year. So I'm ready to go. Now, this episode was supposed to come out before Christmas. I don't know if you've noticed Christmas is over, but that's okay. So we're not going to call it part two. We're going to call it like today we laughed and learned the lost episode. And I cannot thank our friend Ben enough for stepping in and joining me and listening to me blabber on about all the different holiday. Actually, it was supposed to be holiday symbol. You'll hear when you hear the episode, you'll understand it. The episode actually turned out not to be what it intended to be, but that's okay. Again, I'm just going to wrap things up kind of quick here because I can't babble on and on and on. But if you haven't heard us yet, jump over to yergsradio.com. We are on there every single day, seven days a week from 12, 12 o'clock to 1.30 in the afternoon. But don't leave the radio when we're done because Yergs has a great lineup. He's got a few great live shows along with some podcasts I know none of you have listened to before and you're going to love them. I'll try to leave the link in the show notes, but guaranteed I'll forget, but I'll try. And so it's yergsradio.com. So what else? There's not a lot else. We're just going to start the new year and see how it goes. The only thing I am kind of curious about, maybe somebody can drop me an email or drop a line, Twitter or Facebook. What the heck are these Stanley Cups? I missed the boat on it, evidently. But why are they any different than any other freaking insulated cup? Why people like, there's nothing better to spend our money on or or, or live our lives with than these Stanley Cups. I mean... (laughs) They're all over Marketplace now. And I also noticed, I guess, in Target, if you wanted a Valentine's Day themed one, and I don't mean by cute design, I mean, I think they were just pink. Uh, you can't get one. But check Marketplace if you want to pay a fortune for it. So I think that's it. So on with the show. Hi, Chris and Deb here. We want to take just a moment to tell you about the ultimate all-in-one podcasting solution. We are talking about a one-stop shop where you can record, edit, distribute, and even monetize your podcast. That's right. We are talking about Zencaster. As you know by listening to our podcast, we are a little bit technically challenged, but Zencaster saved the day. All we have to do is log on and press record. It can't get much easier than that. We've been using Zencaster since day one and can't help but notice they're getting better and better. We all know Zencaster provides high quality audio. It, it records in 16-bit 48K wave audio per guest and regardless of your internet connection. And very important, there is no time limit. Plus, they keep you recording, so there's no need to panic about losing it. And for me, personally, I love that it records on separate tracks to make my editing easier. Not into editing? No worries. Zencaster has got you covered. They offer a post-production process that makes your voice buttery smooth. And better yet, it removes all those annoying ums and awkward pauses. By the way, Zencaster's not just audio. Their video is just as amazing. It records up to 4K. That's to give you that professional quality your podcast deserves. Listen, we didn't even cover everything. There is so much more. So if you want to make your podcasting journey the easiest it can be, go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use our code today we laughed and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. 
We want you to have the same easy experience that we do for all of your podcasting and content needs. Again, for 30% off your first month, go to Zencaster. That's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R dot com slash pricing and use our code today we laughed. That's one word. It's time for you to share your story. We are here for a reason, Ben. Do you mean episode two of this unexpected two <laughs> I episode believe it interview is. appearance? Yeah. <laughs> I think it is. So what are we doing for part two of this fabulous co-hosting? Well, I think this is bringing us right up to Christmas, which works. Because it works. It we have the soundtrack work. already. If yep. you need the soundtrack, folks, we see the show notes for the, the last Spotify- episode. We will do the Spotify list. Yeah, and- uh, Ben will take it upon himself. This will. I'll make the Christmas miracle. And- Sprinkle my uh, my Hanukkah Harry <laughs> magic. The only thing is, I'll have to tell you most of them because you didn't know half the songs. So yeah, no, no. I <laughs> d- despite despite being new to the songs, I'm not new to the. Uh, the the language of of English, I can I can look them up. You can write write them down. You're gonna love However, them. You're gonna love them. I'm excited. I love I love exploring and discovering new music. Um, I if you didn't hear the previous episode, folks, um, we laughed about how my music students are always shocked and dismayed when I don't know a random song that they know. I mean, now the newest thing is Bluey, which I know is super popular and delightful. I don't know it though. Like I know it exists. But they're like, blah, 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 specific thing on Bluey. And they nod at me, like, expecting recognition. And I smile and shrug, and they're so disappointed. Listen, and I say, I'm sorry. But I think it was last year. My yeah. daughter told me. My daughter's 16. She's like, have okay, you so seen Bluey yet? Okay, so a little older than mine. 12, mine's 12 and a half, but go ahead. She's like, have you seen Bluey? you got to see it. It's an amazing show. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So- Young so, and old alike. Uh, yeah, I think it's one of those shows. So I really keep meaning to check it out and I forget. But now I might go back and go look at it. Yeah, so we'll have to find out if they have a Christmas episode. I know. <laughs> if they do, add it to the show notes for sure. Okay. Anyway, so everybody who's ever listened knows that I'm the queen of Christmas. By the way, evidently, I didn't know a whole lot about Christmas. I mean, I love Christmas, but I'm not, you know, I know the basic nativity story, but never, I never knew a lot around it. Um, mm. Did you finally do your research and preparation uh, yeah. for today? Yeah. So if you don't know, which I'm sure you probably know way more than I ever did, Ben. <laughs> so to be, you know, full disclosure, friends, I knew about this appearance. Was it about four hours before it occurred? Oh, uh, was it that long? I think it was more like three, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I wake up kind of early, even on the weekends, which is the the curse of the school teacher, right? Just can't sleep late anymore. And I'm messing around on my phone. I see a message from from Chris. And I'm like, oh, cool, Chris. Hey. It's like, are you available today to co-host? And I happen to be. <laughs> but then I knew about the topic. And I thought to myself, I could prepare. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I could go on to Wikipedia and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I thought, you know what? I can, I can riff like the best of them. And I do have a, a, a certain subset of knowledge, which yeah. feels relevant. One is the um, preponderance of Jewish songwriters and composers <laughs> in the pantheon of I, I think American you're in your Christmas own little niche there, music, by the way. Right? It is a niche. <laughs> um, and two, the experience of Jewish Americans and other non-Christian minorities on Christmas in America, which is, by the way, not a Christian country. It is a country with a lot of Christians living in it. And that's a distinction that sometimes is lost on the American retail scene. Um, but 
we can talk about that because that's a thing. Yep. And um, I might know a little bit about some stuff anyway because, you know, I, You're breathing. I've some things. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's go. Let's go. All right. So I love Christmas. It's been mentioned a million times on this podcast. Um, yes. And I'd be remiss if we didn't get down to doing a Christmas episode. Is this our first one? Yeah, we've had a tough time. Deb and I've had a hard time getting together to um, to record. So we've barely squeaking out episodes lately. So oh, last year I, I had done, I think we did like three episodes. And this year, this is my first one. And it's almost Christmas. So anyway, last year, I think I told you in the last episode, um, I did the making of Hallmark movies. And I also did one on the making of the It's a Wonderful Life and all the fun things that happen behind the scenes and all that stuff. Great topic. It It's really actually... And Deb did one about other holidays during uh, December. So th- those yes, I remember year. that one. That was kind of like a world tour of light and dark holidays for right. winter solstice. Right. Great so episode. it was, I liked all those episodes last December. So um, this year I decided to do the symbols of Christmas Ooh. and how they came to be. Love um, it. Obviously I can't cover them all, but I found a few interesting ones. So I didn't cover any of them in this episode. <laughs> I got completely off track and ended up with a whole different episode. Now, it, it's not a whole different episode. It's okay. Still, it's Since you've just confused the hell out of your <laughs> co-host and your legions of fans, I want to clarify. Did you just spend a moment explaining the topic that we will not be discussing today? <laughs> no, we're still discussing. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you all about... <laughs> The Christmas had, symbols that you'll not be learning about I had in today's one, episode. <laughs> I had one thing in my mind. Don't put that in your promo materials. <laughs> That'll be even more confusing. This week's episode, not this. <laughs> well, it is this. It's just not the uh, ones that I had in my mind. I was like, okay, we'll cover things like candy canes uh, and Christmas stockings. But then I got into it and I ended up going further back. So oh. I found these interesting ones. So like unexpected Christmas symbols? Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Love it. I love the unexpected. And it, this was. So I'm going to start with something I hadn't even thought about, but I discovered along the way. Like, why is Christmas on December 25th? So most people say, well, duh, it's the birth of Jesus Christ, right? Or is Wrong. it? Exactly. Because otherwise my, it'd be done, right? <laughs> so first we go from a timeline of BC to AD. And most people, the general public, think Jesus was born on year one, you know, one AD. Uh, Studies, people have studied it and looked at it, and they feel he was actually born between the second and the seventh AD, most likely third or fourth. Why they, I don't know, but that's what they've determined. He was not born year one, probably like three or four. Um, And as for the exact day or year, keep in mind, the calendar actually didn't even come along until the 6th century. So nobody's exactly sure which year either. Hmm. So why the 25th? First, I think we can all agree it should have been the 27th. Have you heard the episode, Ben? I don't remember that episode specifically, but I, I feel like the confusion about the dates is a familiar topic. Is like, it? Just because... I've heard people say, oh, like, happy birthday, Jesus. And then there's always some smart ass in the room who's like, it's not actually his birthday. <laughs> wah, wah. Um, well, I'll then, go into that in a second. But yeah. on December 27th, there was one episode we covered and we discovered a bazillion major events. Uh, a, a slew of wrestlers were born that day. I mean, it was just like an amazing day. I think I picked one day 
and Deb picked another one and hers was completely boring. So we've decided December 25th is one of the mm. most amazing days on the calendar. But I digress. First, let me make your head spin a little. Christmas is celebrating the birth of Jesus and whom Christians believe is the son of God. Right? right. Now, the name Christmas is derived from the mass of Christ. Now, mm -hmm. in church, Christians go to mass. That's the yep. service. And a mass service is when you receive communion or the Eucharist. Okay? The blood of God. So, now, Christ mass is the only service that was allowed after sunset. You couldn't have a church service after sunset except for Christ mass. And you had to have it before sunrise. So that's why a lot of this Christ mass is at midnight on Christmas Eve. Oh, Christ mass. The, the, the origin of the midnight mass. Yes. And Christ, Christ mass was shortened to Christmas. Hmm. Okay. Okay. That's my app. Remind me drink water. We'll edit that out. So no, I enjoyed the sound effects. And you know what? This could be a public health. <laughs> Everyone stop. Take a sip of water, please. A PSA. Hydrate people. That's right. As my daughter says, hydrate or dihydrate. Oh, wow. <laughs> she wrote that. She's clever like her daddy. Uh, so anyway, the first official mention of December 25th, Christmas, that was back in the year th uh, 336, mm -hmm. which was during the time of the Roman Empire, Constantine. And he was the first Christian Roman emperor, and he made Christianity the official religion of the empire. So many mm. believe that he chose December 25th as the official date because he wanted to do it as a political move, basically to weaken the established pagan celebrations. All the winter solstices and things like that were pagan mm. celebrations. He wanted Christianity to rule. So he made that a political move. Now, that's one theory. Another popular theory for December 25th celebration, tell me if you've heard this, I know I didn't, is that Mary was told on March 25th that she would give birth to a very special baby, and exactly nine months later is December 25th. Hmm. March 25th is also an extremely busy day. Early Christian tradition states that March 25th, the world was created. And, of course, we now know Jesus was conceived on March 25th, and they say Jesus died on March 25th. Now, there are some other theories surrounding winter solstice, but the nine-month theory seemed to be the most popular, so I went with that. Now, keep in mind, not everyone jumped on board with that December 25th date. Christian uh, Christmas has been celebrated by early churches on January 6th, which celebrated the Epiphany. That's when uh, that Jesus was God's son and the mm -hmm. baptism of Jesus. Hmm. Um, now, so we understand, I know none of this. <laughs> I am the worst churchgoer in the world. I knew none of this. I just knew when Christmas was and that was it. You know, while you pause in there, I have a thought. Yep. That Which is most religions, once they pick a thing, they try to stick to their guns because it's like, this is the official thing. Right. So as as you are talking through this. I imagine many listeners may be having the same experience I am, which is like, wait a second. We were all told December 25th, that's Jesus's birthday. Right. But now you're saying all of these historians agree that was a major calendar fight for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. And like, it's kind of surprising, <laughs> <laughs> but 
a lot of these designations were made not for a historical reason, but like for a, like an organizational reason. Like, right. we're all going to do this thing now, people. And they're like, yay. Right. But um, in this case, they weren't. Right. And and to this day, we have different Christmas observances, right? Like the Greek Orthodox. Right. Don't they celebrate Christmas in January? We No, we have Christmas... We have Christmas, um, December 25th. Um, oddly enough, uh, Santa Claus comes on the 1st of January, hmm. but like schools are out until the Better 6th. We go ever. through, right. We go through epiphany. We go, we don't start back school till after the 6th, but, um, okay. no, they Christmas here up until like four years ago, maybe people, I mean, when I first moved here, you were hard pressed to find a Christmas decoration before December 24th. Much to hmm. my dismay, by the way. <laughs> and um, I think oh. with the advent of the internet and everything, everyone started to come on board. And now Christmas day here is a much bigger deal. Hmm. But when we first moved here years ago, people, Christmas day was just simply going for dinner. So, Interesting. so for my family, I mean, we basically, we hid away cause I, we celebrated December 25th and, uh, hmm. yeah, it's, it's kind of strange, but now, now the, the Greeks here, they're starting to get on board with the whole 25th thing as being a bigger celebration than it used to be. So anyway, so back to this. So, um, yeah, like I said, the early church, they used to celebrate on January 6th. Now the January 6th date was chosen in the same fashion as the original Christmas one. But the idea was the conception was on April 6th, which made the birth date January 6th. Hmm. Now there's also a belief that the date was chosen in conjunction with Hanukkah. After all, Jesus was a Jew and Hanukkah begins on the eve of, is it Kislev? Yes. You're going to know better than that. Is that how you say it? 25, which is, you know, somewhere around the same time as December 25th, correct? Correct. Also okay. a winter holiday. Right. Now, to throw a wrench into this whole theory, it's widely believed and been studied that Jesus most likely was not actually born in the winter, but rather during the fall, around the time of the Jewish festivals of Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles. That's right. Sukkot. Yeah, you got Sukkot. it. Sukkot. Okay. Or the Feast of Tabernacles when those occurred, because um, Sukkot is mentioned um, a boatload of times in the Bible, evidently. Correct. And second, good thing I have you on here. <laughs> and second, remember the line, shepherds watched over their flocks at night, something like that? Well, Yeah, and the whole thing of their, like, why are they in this, like, funny little hut? Like, another way to explain that is they're in the Sukkah. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what they were saying. Well, first off, if it was the flocks at night, it's winter, it would have been very cold, perhaps snowy, and the sheep would not be outside, nor would some poor shepherd be watching out, keeping watch over them. And like yeah. you said- This is before the days of OSHA and all of the important regulations. <laughs> Shout out to the government workers. Exactly. safe. I do. I watch TV sometimes. OSHA would not approve. <laughs> but um, so yes. And third was the festival. It's time when the Jewish take time to remember- they depended on God for all they had after they escaped Egypt and spent 40 years in the desert. Well, so many mm -hmm. Jewish people descended upon Jerusalem for the festival, and it would make sense that there was no room at the end at the inn. 
And plus... Oh, I never heard this before. This is making me go, ah. <laughs> I know, huh? It's like an aha moment. You're like, oh my God, this does make sense. So in case you're ready to argue, some people will say, oh, she went on to Bethlehem, not Jerusalem. Well, Bethlehem is evidently only She being... Mary. Mother Mary. Yep. The one who speaks words of wisdom. The one who gave birth to Jesus. <laughs> Quoting the Beatles song, but continue. Oh. <laughs> Let it be. Oh, yeah, you're right. You got me. Um, Bethlehem is evidently only about six miles away from Ju- Jerusalem. So who knows where the lines were back then, you know? Yeah, that's right. It's not, it's not that far. Right. Like a suburb. <laughs> suburb. She was on her way when to When you're suburbs. commuting by camel, it's not, it's not <laughs> It was by donkey. Just Come leave on. early before it gets crowded. What? <laughs> it was by donkey. Yeah. Um, okay. So you remember the star of Bethlehem? How could I ever? I, uh, I ever followed forget? it to find the baby. <laughs> Well, exactly. And so did the three wise men, right? So exactly. they say- Of the th- which I consider myself one. <laughs> the three wise men and Ben. I'm one of the top three wise men. <laughs> oh my God, men. I got the title. The three wise men and Ben. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so, well, the three wise men, they had seen a new star in the sky. And they, quote unquote, knew that it told of the new mm-hmm. king being born. And the yes. Bible said they saw it in the east. But the true translation evidently was in the first light of dawn. And there's a lot more to it. But in the end, it kind of seems like to see it in the east and in the first light of dawn from Asia Minor, it would have been in spring or autumn, not winter. Oh, because we're talking about a star that only appears in the morning. Correct. Yeah, I recently attended um, a planetarium show. And they said some words about stars. Mm-hmm. That's my contribution. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I may or may not have fallen asleep. Listen, <laughs> folks, I don't know about you, but uh, <laughs> Luck. I have a hard time staying awake for a uh, a movie when I've already paid like 14 bucks plus popcorn. <laughs> um, if I go to a planetarium and they have reclining seats and it's dark, there's just no hope. Come Look, on. The only planetarium I can't show be blamed. I, I, the only planetarium <laughs> show I ever went to was Pink Floyd Laser Show, and I think maybe a Grateful Dead Laser Show. Yes, and you might have been sleepy for other reasons, but I, hey, right, but you do I, you, as long as you got a safe ride home. I think I had a good time. I think you. So there was a great blog that went to huge detail, which of course I didn't read the whole thing, um, of all this research into it and all the reasons and he too believes jesus was born at the t- time of sukkot which is about what october and of september on the year because there's a lunar calendar that shifts right he said september slash october that's so, why he said that yep uh, so was he right sounds like it yes so when jews describe when holidays occur it's a window right <laughs> well look hanukkah uh, doesn't occur on the same day every year correct all of the jewish holidays shift because we have a lunar calendar that is a different number of days than the um I want to say Gregorian calendar. Julian or Gregorian, I think it is, yeah. I don't know. I like the calendar with the the cute pictures of dogs each yeah, month. exactly. Keep it simple. Yeah, it's a new month. Oh, it's a tiny Dalmatian. <laughs> you have so many spots I can look and you at make this for me one talk to month. you like this. <laughs> okay, so then I was like, okay, now time. It's... All right, so Jesus was not born on December 25th. Looks like he was born September, October. Now, before you move on to the rest of your facts, as you're learning this, I just just want to zoom in on this. Uh-huh. Are you feeling any sense of of disappointment or betrayal? Because that is a essential message that you get told as a little Christian kid, like it's Jesus's birthday. 
I personally don't. Okay. <laughs> but Didn't I was you. my upbringing was my mother wanted me brought up in the Protestant church. My father wanted me brought up in the Catholic church, and then he never brought me to church. So <laughs> I went to uh. CCD. I went to CCD for up until through fifth grade, and then my mother Power decided showing up, folks. And my my mother decided me going to dancing class was more important than CCD, so I did that. And then the nuns got mad. Don't disagree. <laughs> and then then the nuns got mad. And they kept they were questioning everybody in CCD. Well, why isn't she coming? Where is she? So that was enough to make my mother say, "No, you don't need to ever go there again." Oh. <laughs> Your mom was not impressed with the with the tactic of like communal shaming and gossiping. She really wasn't. No, no. I not saying she didn't get, love a little gossip or a little drama, but in this case, no, she wasn't. She didn't want me brought up in the Catholic Church, so she wasn't even on board for it anyway. So, yeah. Well, a lot of times those decisions for our the for the faith of our children are made in in ways that when we look back on it are never as weighty as the subject matter is ha- at hand. Mm. The, actually, I ended up years later, I had a boyfriend who, uh, his family went to the Catholic, to the Baptist church. Yeah. And I actually liked, I, I actually enjoyed going up to the Baptist church with him. We do like Easter and Christmas and those things. And um, I took, my nephews ended up going to that same church. And it was actually, I felt like that was a church. I, I thought that was one you could join. It was, you know, the community and everything else. The Catholic Church was just like, felt like it was just in it for them. Hmm. But that was yeah. me. Yeah, disclaimer. I mean, as a uh, former synagogue professional and as a current congregant, um, I like to acknowledge that no place is for everyone. Right. And when it comes to like your house of worship or your religious community, like find one where you feel good and your family feels welcomed. I think you touched on a key thing that at a certain point, your mom kind of felt judged for her choice with her. I mean, you didn't name it, but I heard that that way. Mm-hmm. And I, I generally feel like people don't want to feel judged about who they are or how they live. Right. Um, if they do, there's certainly some denominations <laughs> who do that with great <laughs> skill worry, and vigor. Find... Exactly. <laughs> I believe the category known as Helen Brimstone comes to mind, <laughs> uh, at least for their preachers. But um, no, there's a reason why fundamentalism in all of its forms really puts me off because mm-hmm. it, and this is me speaking as an individual, not on behalf of all Jews, because all all people are different and I can't speak on behalf of a faith of millions of people. But for me, the person, um, I have a real hard time when a, pers- a person who I know to be an imperfect reflection of a perfect God, I know any preacher any rabbi, any iman, any priest, whatever, whoever is that person dressed as a clergy person, like the phrase clergy person reminds us that they are people too. Right. So whatever they are preaching, it involves real people who mm-hmm. are fallible, who have unhealth, not unhealthy, but like somewhat messy impulses mm-hmm. and... And like religion has a place to give us inspiration and joy and love, but I don't think it has a place in telling us that how we live or how we love is something to be ashamed of. Correct. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I think those are good words. Thanks. (laughs) Hashtag Uh, love. If you could see it, but we're not visual. He gave the little hand heart. Yeah. Hand heart. (laughs) All right. So I was all set with that and then i'm reading on and so now i'm going to touch on the advent 
which mm. I wasn't going to do, like I said, but I had this more sneak- calendar talk. I know. I had the sneaky suspicion that it has more to do with buying an advent calendar. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was by the ad- an office advent calendar a year ago, and I couldn't decide if it was like, like, wait, are, are we allowed to? And it was just about the office figurines and it had nothing to do with it. But honestly, me and millions of listeners all want to know, what is an advent calendar? Chris, tell us about it. Well, I yeah, don't know I, what it is. I didn't know what it was. Well, I know what an advent calendar is, but I didn't know why we had one. Yeah, exactly. Why? Um, well, first off, those who are not fluent in Latin, you might be. I'm not. Um, advent means coming. There's three ways Ooh. to think the word coming pertaining to advent first off like nice 2000 years ago of course it was up and coming birth of jesus yeah like the advent of a new century exactly more recent more currently people can think of it as jesus coming into their lives and third will happen in the future when they say jesus will come back to the world as a king and judge mm. now advent is for the sundays and weeks before christmas usually beginning on december 1st During this time, Christians are supposed to prepare for and remember the real meaning of Christmas. Now, when did it start? Well, like everything else, who knows when it really started, but it goes back to at least 567 when monks were ordered to fast during December. Um, Of course, not everyone is on the same page. So for Orthodox and Eastern Catholic churches, it's not called Advent. It's called the Nativity Fast. And that lasts for 40 days. So if your church celebrates christmas on the 25th your fast will begin november 15th this holds true for the celtic christianity if your church recognizes january 7th your fast begins november 28th it's so confusing Mm. (laughs) then there's the armenian church who celebrated christmas on january 6th yet they like to fast for 50 days i know who knew there were so many I had no idea there was so Point much... of clarification, this must be a fast that permits water. I think, yeah, yeah, I, I think, yeah. Yeah, most spiritual fasts have a bare minimum of food and a little water so you don't die. Well, I think, um, like the Greeks, they, they do, you know, it's orthodox, they fast, but right. what it is is no meat, no dairy, and no oil, I think it is. Oh, so, so basically it's just vegetables. Like a, a dry salad. It's like how Hollywood people eat. <laughs> right. You can have a dry salad, <laughs> eat like, basically. Eat like a Hollywood actor for a month and get all <laughs> spiritual, sexy, yeah. in time for Valentine's Day. Yeah, I have no idea if it was originally like that, but I, I know, you know, the kid's grandmother, that's what it is for her. You know, I think it's no meat, oh, no dairy. Oh, the one with the vegetables, that's what right. modern day people do. I don't know if it's modern day or not, but that's it, it is definitely modern day. I don't know if it was always that way. Yeah. So, okay. Here I thought that's it for Advent, but don't worry, there's more because everything just kind of overlapped everything else. So, evidently, back in England during medieval and pre medieval times, there was an early version of the nativity scene that we see today. You know, mm-hmm. Mary, Joseph, and the crash, right? Yeah, yeah, out front the church, right? Right. Um, but it was called the Advent image or the vessel cup. Basically, it was a box, quite often with like a glass lid and, na- and, um, and like a cloth over it, which I'm like, they had glass in medieval times. But anyway, um, mm. kid, in, inside the box was two dolls, one representing Mary and one representing baby Jesus. And the box okay. was festively decorated with ribbons and flowers and sometimes apples. And yeah. this box was brought door to door. And it was considered very unluck- unlucky if you did not get to see this box before Christmas. Mm. So 
once you see the box, you would give the carrier a half penny, like a little little tip. Nice. A donation. So this made me think, this must be the precursor to Christmas carolers. Sure, they didn't sing, but they went door to door, you know, talking mm-hmm. about uh, the birth of Jesus. And come to find out that, in fact, some carols, they're actually Advent carols. The uh, It's not God of Rest Yell. There's a couple of songs that if you listen to it, they don't sing of Christmas. It's the coming of Jesus. And they are Advent carols. Oh, so so it's an Advent carol if the song lyrics talk about the future coming of Jesus Correct. versus celebrating the Christmas holiday. Yep. Um, hmm. uh, that is a fun fact. Well done. It is a fun fact. And I'm thinking that box that they brought around, of course, now we have the Advent calendars, but, you know, I don't know. It just, it, it does kind of all go together. So, of course, shit, now I got to do Christmas carols, right? Because I got to know. But we can't leave Advent yet until we touch on Advent calendars and Advent candles. Now, we all know the Advent calendar as 24 doors or windows opening one at a time. One for every day of the month up until Christmas. Super fun. It is. Now, when I was growing up, we had that flat paper one. And when we opened it, it just had a little picture in it. Of course, now they have like chocolates and ornaments and underwear of the day and toys and everything in them. But, uh, But before all that, back in the 1800s in Germany... People would mark their calendars. Uh, I'm sorry. They would mark their doors with 24 chalk marks. So December 1st, they'd write 24 lines on their door. And every day they'd rub one off. Like a countdown kind of thing. Like a countdown calendar. I pictured prison myself. But you know how in prison they mark the days on the wall in the movies? I do. I do. (laughs) That's what I picture. Not judging. I know we have a big listenership. Shout out to the Federal Penitentiary <laughs> where they're broadcasting this podcast every week right after the drop. Thank you. And we did guys. do an episode on prisons too. <laughs> Listen, I bet you they look forward to the holidays. You know, might be I'm Mexican sure they do. I bet they do their thing in there. I hope they do something. I think they do. Come on, it's Christmas, even in prison. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, so people began making paper versions around 1850 and they became more popular in the 1900s. And one of the early mass producers of advent calendars came out of Germany by the Gerhard Lang company. And they gave you one sheet of paper with one through 24 printed on it and another with pictures that you would cut out and paste onto it. So sort what of about like a craft project? Kind right. Of it's actually exactly what me and my kids would do every year. Except, you know, I gave them stickers, but they'd make their own advent calendars. I didn't buy them. So what about about the little opening of the little doors and windows? Well, they too came out of Germany in the 1920s. But the makers of those calendars Mm. had to stop during World War II because there was a shortage of cardboard. Yeah. Yeah. Cadbury came out with their first in 1971. And it wasn't really popular. Uh, In fact, it wasn't until the 1980s that the chocolate calendars became popular. Which makes sense because by the 80s now it became started to get very commercial. Now, the fun fact, the largest advent calendar ever made was 71 meters or 55 feet tall and 23 meters or 75 feet wide. This was back in 2007 and you could find it at the St. Pancras train station in London, England. I now, love how that's a thing. You know, there's some records that are set where you say to yourself, that makes sense that that's a record. But then that's one where I hear that that fun fact, Chris, and I say to myself, who was sitting around one day and said, 
I'm going to build the world's biggest advent <laughs> calendar. From what I heard, it was because they they, was, they did it in celebration of the train station reopening, I guess. But so it was like a promotional look, stunt, basically. Yeah, but I think the whole Guinness Book of World Records thing, I think probably have to look into it, but probably started out as a good thing, like a good idea. But now it seems like you, as long as you write in and tell them you've made the world's biggest something, you know, they come out and like, okay, yeah, we'll add it to the book. Because it's a huge book. You know, yeah. they used to be that thick with all these silly little world records. Yes. And I guess there's a whole chapter, just like we said in last week's episode, <laughs> about uh, there's a whole section of the music industry devoted to Christmas music. Apparently, there's a whole chapter of the Guinness Book about Christmas records. I bet. <laughs> um, and as we know, I think uh, yeah, uh, Mariah Carey has to be the winner. Anyway, yeah, that's that. I I'm pretty sure without checking, it is the biggest Christmas single of all time. All I think it's, Christmas is here. I think it's fair to say. But so, for a while, it was number two to "White Christmas" by Bing Crosby. Mm, oh, I could see that. Yeah, it probably was. Yeah. But um, what last? What what's your feelings on "Last Christmas" by Wham? Again, even though all adults eventually are the same age, I have the sinking feeling that you and I are of a slightly different vintage, my friend, <laughs> meaning that I'm aware that Wham exists and I suspect you have much stronger feelings about Wham. Is that is that a fair guess? No, it's just I never no? really cared for the song. I mean, I probably know more about Wham than you do, but uh, I don't care about Wham or its Christmas music or any of its music. Sorry, all of you Wham heads. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just is that okay? I try very like, hard not to. Um, you you can't have knowledge. Yuck! About someone else's yum. Well, believe me, I can apologize for as much as I damn well please, and I'm not sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got so upset there. <laughs> no. I, I apologize too much. I'm sorry for it. Oh, I did it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> Look, and see, I grew up with Wham. Okay. But barely because I watched a documentary on the airplane and didn't love the documentary. But um, they were only together for four freaking years. Beatles were only out for six years. Right. But So there you have it, folks. But Wham, I mean, in that four years they were together, it wasn't like four years of hit after hit after hit. It, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they, it was only a couple of years they had huge hits. But one of them being Last Christmas. And George Michael thought it was going to be a huge hit. And mm -hmm. it came out the same year as Do They Know It's Christmas by Band-Aid. So, of course, it didn't become as big as Do You Know uh, Do They Know oh, It's Christmas. Oh, so you're saying this is a song that should have been even bigger, but for unlucky competition? Exactly. Huh. Uh, which, of course, George Michael was on that, the on the song, uh, yeah, Do They Know It's Christmas, but he thought Last Christmas was going to be great until he heard that and they realized his would not reach number one and um i think his reached number one for the first time last year and of course he's been mazel tov on that achievement yeah. yeah it's difficult when when the whole world is like yay charity album yeah it was it, but, right. but that was the first one back then it was huge when that came out um, do they know it's christmas yeah that 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 all those stars getting together to sing one song was new that wasn't, I don't think that had been done before. We Are the World came out later. Interesting. We Are the World copied them, basically. Yeah, more general interest than <laughs> right. Christmas specific. But do they know, I mean, that was just a phenomenal, and they did it within 24 hours, and the video that went along with it, because of course the 80s, it was all about the video and everything, so. Yeah, totally. 
All right, cool. so back to advent calendars. Teach me more, Chris. <laughs> so about advent calendars, do you know what the most expensive one is? I don't either, because every year there's always somebody topping another one. But this year you can drop 120,000 uh, euros on a Tiffany advent calendar, which is just Tiffany jewelry and not everything has diamonds on it. Uh, and back in 2010. And wait, 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 wait. 12,000 or 120,000? 120, yeah. Wait, you they pay that them, much and you don't even get diamonds. There's a couple. Uh, some of the pieces have diamonds, but it's all because it's Tiffany. I don't know. I wouldn't pay a dime more than uh, 99, 99K. Well, then you're not getting the Tiffany advent calendar. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they bargain. I, I, I don't think I go <laughs> for these. Do you, well, I don't know. Do you think the church was all for these luxury advent calendars? Nah. Depends on the church, man. Depends maybe, on the church. Maybe if they're every sell- kind. Wait a minute. Maybe if they're selling it. Exactly. Um. <laughs> do churches do gift shops? Um, I think a lot of them are like little craft... All right, there's one that I went to. craft fairs. Craft fairs, but there's one in Massachusetts. Well, there's more than one church, obviously. But there's one in a place called Attleboro, Mass. Yeah. They do this huge Christmas display. Huge. Beautiful. It is beautiful. It is not, and it's all donation. You don't, don't pay to yeah, go yeah. in. Uh, but they have a full-blown gift shop and everything. And, and uh, craft tables and everything. But they have a full-blown year-round gift shop in there. All right. Hey, gotta pay, gotta pay for the electric bill somehow. That's right. Well, <laughs> I think they got pretty good donations. The lights seem to be a little flashier this year. Um, so on to calendar, on to candles, Advent candles. And I personally did not know what they were, so don't laugh at me. Do you know what Advent candles are? You probably do. Um, I, I think some people who do the Advent do candles in the window. That, but that's all I know. Well, I think. Am I right is, or wrong? And I, and no, I think you're kind of off. I think the yeah. the, the, the no, candles. The candles are a wreath. Long holiday. The candles are a like a greenery kind of wreath, and it has four candles on it, and then one in the middle. My only reference to an advent, um, an advent candle is the ones. <laughs> if you've ever seen the Ghost of Christmas Past in the movies, don't they have a hat with candles on it? That's what it is. It's the advent candles. <laughs> So I guess for people who like obscure costumes for Holly for for holiday and even Halloween parties, that might be a funny one. To I know. Just, well, it, it, like it's... as a head scratcher to dress wearing that, and then they're like, "Who are you?" And you're like, "I'm an Advent candle." <laughs> like I don't. Well, there, it just uh, seems you... like a funny accessory to me. Well, the, well, it's for Christmas past. You know, the ghost of Christmas past. He's always right, so in that's this, like... A, that's a good costume. I'm the yeah. ghost of Christmas past. But he's wearing the advent on his head. So I don't really understand. I mean, other than it's been around for a long time. But anyway, so yeah. there's two types of advent candles. Like Remember, I said, Chris, as a rule of thumb with religion, you don't want to try too hard to understand. <laughs> that's just like a pro tip from a real clergy person here. <laughs> don't try too hard to understand. If you do, your head will hurt. I'm trying to understand the, ca- the, the cartoon the with the the candles on the head. I'm not trying to understand <laughs> the religion. I'm trying to understand the cartoon version. Oh, it's all deeper than you think, and that's the problem. <laughs> I know, but don't you worry. Okay. I don't go there. No, no, no. Stay, stay where it's safe. Just exactly. focus on Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and social ostracization. <laughs> exactly. See last week's episode. <laughs> so I anyway, don't remember it so vividly, Chris. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it seems like it was just like hours ago, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. <laughs> anyway, so 
the advent candles. There's two types. There's your basic taper candle with like 24 marks on it. You burn it to each date, similar to the calendar. Or mm. um, there's the advent crown or wreath. It's made of green root. Four candles, like I said, and a fifth one on the inside. And you use this in church usually. You light one every Sunday. You know, light one the first Sunday, to mm. the first one, the second one, the second, until the fifth one is lit on Christmas Day. So where did it start? Back in 1840 in the Lutheran church, I guess others liked the idea because it popped up everywhere by 1920. Hmm. Um, So the circular shape of the wreath represents God's everlasting love and the candles. Well, they aren't exactly the same in every church, but similar. Um, The first candle is for Isaiah and the other prophets that predicted the coming of Jesus. The second candle represents the Bible. The third one is for Mary. The fourth one is for John the Baptist. You know, mm. Jesus's cousin who told everybody in Israel to get ready. And of course, the middle one is for baby Jesus. And some Orthodox churches use six candles as their advent is longer. Remember, I said 40 mm. days and they have yes. different colors. So their first one is green for faith. The second is blue for hope. Third is gold for love. Fourth is white for peace. Fifth, purple for repentance. And sixth is red for communion. I enjoy a good color code. Isn't it nice? You, you No surprises. It's expected. Mm-hmm. So now we've discovered Advent boxes and what I think was the first carol. So let's find out. Now, I believe we covered this a little bit last year. So it doesn't sound that far into me. So I'll try to only touch on it. So um, it's not to bore everybody and including poor Ben. So the first carols were sung a long, long time ago, but they weren't Christmas carols. They were pagan and sung during the winter solstice. Shout out to all of our pagan listeners. (laughs) Fun fact, they say the word carol means uh, a dance or a song of praise and joy. I don't know in what language, but they say it does. So once Christmas caught on, Christian songs replaced pagan songs. And in 129 a roman bishop decided a song angels hymn should be sung at christmas service and then another hymn came out like 700 years later for the greek orthodox church and soon composers and everybody all over europe began making christmas carols but they weren't well received by the church and most were written and sung in latin which most people didn't even like so fast forward to 1223 saint francis of assisi changed everything he began putting on uh, nativity plays in Italy and the actors sang songs in the same language that they would understand. So the actors sang songs or canticles, cantor, ben, see, mm. see how that's all going together. Everything goes together. It, I was just struck by how this, this saint, his name's Francis of Assisi. Mm-hmm. He seemed to have a real like uh, entertainer flair. You know, he knew that what the people wanted was a good show. So I appreciate that. Yeah, he did. And the canticles... The razzle-dazzle. He, he was. He had a little a little spring the step. These canticles <laughs> told the story, and they were normally sung in Italian, so people understood them and yes. would go to them and listen to them. And this idea actually spread through Europe. They're like, whoa, who would have thunk? Yeah, that's actually a big detail, too, historically, that in it, it is a relatively new innovation to have worship in the local language. <laughs> For a long, I mean, which sounds so obvious now because we're all used to going to church and hearing English or Spanish or whatever we're used to. Mm-hmm. But for a long time, Catholic Church was only offered in Latin anywhere in the world. 
And there are a lot of synagogues this day where the service is entirely in Hebrew. Um, so if you don't know Hebrew, Hebrew, it's not accessible. Right, but they teach Hebrew, right? Yeah, but so the innovation in in the world of worship, it's it's either very exclusive, only the people who have studied and yep. learned and and familiarize themselves with the and you know most Muslim worship is entirely in True. Arabic. Yep. Um, I don't know off the top of my head if there is any English language translated worship in Islam. That would be interesting for me yeah. to learn. But I know in Judaism, like the big liberal movement, Reform Judaism, one of their innovations, they're from Germany. They had prayer in the 1800s in German. Um, and when they came to the U.S., a prayer book that was mostly English with a little bit of Hebrew sprinkled in. Now, it outraged the traditionalists. They're like, where's the Hebrew? Yep. And the Reform people were like, look, they can come in and pray with us. Right. They Isn't that what to... the whole purpose is? Right. <laughs> and yeah, and like that. That that's always sort of a, a tension in in organized religion, right? Private mm-hmm. religion is usually in the language preferred by the the person in private, you right, know, right. you know, private personal prayers. But when you go to a church or synagogue or mosque, um, it it's always a big question when you step through the door. Are you going to understand what they're praying? And that's not obvious, um, or that's not always the case, right? A lot right. of of worship occurs in a foreign or holy language. That is crazy. Did, anyway. That it still happens today. That's what I guess. What? Yeah, it's it's surprising. And I, I am I remember the, the flip side of the coin. You know, when I, uh-huh. I worked in a version of Judaism that purports to be centrist and they, they definitely elevate Hebrew worship and resist efforts among some to add more and more English. And they were like, it's our holy language. It's our heritage. So much is in the language, the language of Hebrew. And I did not disagree with that. However, when you lead a service and people who don't know Hebrew are in the room, whether it's non-Jews or non-Jewish spouses or visitors or even Jews who didn't go to that religious school once a week for years, Uh it's inaccessible for all of them. Right. So it's, it's challenging to, to stake the flag in this, especially in this modern, um, multi-ethnic society to be clear like if you live in a world where all of the you know to take the jewish example if they all go to religious school for for not an hour a week but hours every day they won't have a problem praying in hebrew because that's the only way they will do it right they will be fluent in it um i think many of our muslim brothers and sisters who pray in arabic they go to a, an Arabic version of a Sunday school where their little kids learn how to chant and read Arabic. Arabic, right? right. So it's kind of, but it also means Joe Schmo off the street can't go in there and understand. That's true. Right, right. And then he, you know, you're you're cutting down who can join your synagogue, you know, church, whatever, mosque, just, church, whatever yep. it is. Yes. Okay. So the earliest carol song was written in 1410. And only a teeny tiny fragment of the song still exists. It was a song about Mary and Jesus meeting different people in Bethlehem. They say most carols from this time, though, from the Elizabethan period, they're just yes. fictitious stories. They were just very loosely based on Christmas story and the Holy Family. Hmm. And oddly enough, back then, Christmas carols were considered more just for entertainment than for religion. And all these songs were just sung at home, not in churches. 
Well, the traveling singers and minstrels kind of picked up on this and they began singing songs around the towns. Mm. That was cut short when the Puritans came into power. So that ended Christmas and carols. Can we just stop here and say the Puritans are so lame? I mean, they they do know how to kill a party. Cover up your elbows. Put away that hooch. (laughs) Yeah, like don't put up a Christmas tree, okay? Yeah, let's be serious. Luckily, not too many people are here because they continued singing those songs and everything in their houses. So the songs didn't, they they didn't die. Um, Song will never die. So up until 1700s, um, and then after the 1700s, you were only allowed to sing psalms in the Anglican churches. And from 1700, the only Christmas song allowed in the church was While Shepherds Watched, because it was a story from the Bible. Mm. So pretty much, carols weren't allowed to be sung in the churches until the Victorian era. Wow. Yeah, the carols began being sung in the villages and, the, you know, more and more people were getting to know them. And this is when local leaders decided they could get some money for the town and they would get bunches of people together. You know, what we would call carolers today, they were called waits back then because it, they sang on Christmas Eve, um, oh. which used to be called waits night. And during this time in other parts of the world, orchestras and choirs became following kind of the same thing. So hmm. I don't really think the nativity box was the beginning of carols, but I like to think so. <laughs> Um, yeah, listen, I think it's it's cool to come up with a new incorrect theory because it's still new and it's kind of fun to be wrong. Yeah, I'm okay with that. It, they were going door to door and I know carolers at some point finally ended up door to door. But it is interesting that carols actually were banned from the church up until the Victorian era and they started to let them in. Up until then, you couldn't sing anything unless it came out of the Bible. You couldn't sing about it. So, like mm-hmm. I said before, up to this point, this was not what I was going to cover today. Now, this last one, which I really wasn't intending to cover, but I was. Because um, I didn't really realize this was a thing like the advent calendar. I'm talking mm-hmm. about the 12 days of Christmas. You had it on your song list last week. Now I did. And in case you guys didn't hear, I also mentioned specifically that the reason why I like that song is because I like to perform it. With or without children, but always with silly choreography. <laughs> Highlights include me pretending to be a lord leaping, <laughs> milking an imaginary cow. <laughs> and um, for five golden rings, I usually do a comical pirouette with my hands overhead. And that kills with kindergartners. They're like, <laughs> you're silly. <laughs> a crowd is a crowd is a crowd never say never. yeah well you got to know your audience yeah. right i'm very funny to old people and kindergartners it's <laughs> it's that elusive window in between between <laughs> that, six and 80 that's what i was gonna say <laughs> apparently they're a key demographic for advertising <laughs> that 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 very specific six to 80 it's strange which it's such a small window isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah but you know anyway so 12 days of christmas did you know this was actually a thing um, it's not uh, beyond, just a song. Beyond the beloved song? Yeah. It's actually a thing. I didn't know that it was, or if it was, I actually thought- So, as was- I think about this song, it makes sense. Because it's told as if it's a story of a thing that happened. Correct. Right? On this day, this thing was given to me. Absurd but it could have it been fictitious also. It could have been like, you know, somebody, I 12 days leading up. I always thought it was leading up to Christmas. 
Yeah. You know, it was like 12 and then on Christmas you got what? 12 Lords of Leaping or whatever it is. Um, evidently it says 12 days begin on Christmas day and it ends January 5th. Do you see a theme here? These 12 days of celebrations were created back in 567 by the council of tours as a way to bring two Christian Christmases together. Remember I said December 25th, January 6th. Mm. Um, so, so it's really uh, all about the calendar. It it's really calendar. should. I know. Calendar, calendar, calendar. That that feels to me like the new Christmas theme I never knew about. Well, forget baby Jesus. What's the dates? I exactly. just want to know the dates. <laughs> just give me a damn calendar. I didn't want to get off track with this, and I'm almost done. But what the frig is a Council of Tours? And they've decided to do this. It sounds like some medieval travel company, right? So sometimes totally. my right my light bulb isn't very bright because i really had to struggle to figure this thing out tours isn't for travel it's a city in france <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> and from what i understand the church heads spelling yes exactly the church heads <laughs> would create councils for the church and they would all meet in tours france mm. and they weren't always a group that gathered all the time they gathered once when there was issues to be addressed so the first council was held in 461 they created 13 rules um they called them canons i got confused uh things like priests and bishops they have to enjoy celibacy uh they're not allowed to get too familiar really does with women enjoy celibacy i don't think too many priests do and uh mm. <laughs> so forth and so now on different episode. <laughs> Um, oh yeah. And you will be excommunicated if you murder someone, by the way. So then the council gets together like a solid hundred years later. And this time they add 27 more rules that monks need to follow. Like monks and priests can't sleep in the same bed as other people. And, um, they also proclaim the entire period between Christmas and epiphany shall be a time of celebration. Right on. So like never ending party for how, right. How, how long is that? prescribed uh celebration that well it's from well it's just 12 days of christmas so it's from the 25th to the oh, 6th okay so Good. this was created to solve the administrative problems for the roman empire as it tried to coordinate solar julian calendar to the lunar calendar of the east again yep tradition goes each day celebrates a feast or a saint or some other ob observances with it and it changes throughout the years things like obviously day one December 25th, we we observe Jesus. Day two of the 12 days of Christmas is St. Stephen's Day. He was the first Christian martyr. Uh, fun fact, he uh, it's also the day, if you listen to the Christmas carol, Good King Wenceslas, that's when it takes place. Hmm. Um, oh, on the Feast of Stephen. See? Day three, it's, like, it's commonly celebrated as St. John the Apostle Day. Um, now, it changes. This is your basic, it depends which denomination, like the Orthodox, they celebrate slightly different, you know, everybody celebrate, they all seem to basically celebrate the same thing, but didn't match up with the same day. <laughs> um, like that St. Stephen, he gets celebrated on day three for the Orthodox. He was the first mm. of seven deacons to who was stoned to death. He was one of the startup Christian churches. So day yeah. four on December 28th, the Feast of the Holy Innocents. On this day, Christians remember all the baby boys that King Herod killed when he was trying to find baby Jesus. So, Oof. yeah, me not being all churchy, I need to take a look 
and I'm sorry about this. So King Herod, King of the Jews, Jesus Christ superstar reference. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a Jew. He was uh, Nabatian. And come to find out the Jews hated him. And he actually did not like the Jews. He just liked the power. So when Maggie claimed that there would be a new king of the Jews, well, he didn't take kindly to it. So Herod tried to get info from the, the three kings. No luck. So Herod tried to, he came up with a great plan. The only way to get rid of Jesus was to go to Bethlehem and kill every baby boy under the age of two. It is believed that he killed about 20 babies, give or take. Um, meanwhile, Mary and Joseph had escaped to Egypt, so he never found them, obviously. Oh, good. So I thought that was quite interesting. I'd never heard that. Um, day five, the St. Thomas Becket day, he was murdered in 1170 for challenging the king's authority over the church. Um, day six, hey, December 30th. Chris, I'm sorry. You're on a roll, but this just got... It's got to be such a bummer. Man, I'm sorry. I Christmas was happy. I know. I don't know where they're saying, you know, the celebration. Because there's one day where the Greek Orthodox celebrate 20,000 martyrs of Nicomedia. And that's an event in 302 AD when Emperor Maximus Hercules wanted to get rid of the Christians living in his town. So on Christmas Day, the soldiers surrounded the church and burned them all to death. So I'm not really sure where the fun part of the celebration is, but... So it might be more of a commemoration than a celebration. Yeah, not really sure. And, you know, things like day seven, New Year's Eve, they only celebrate Pope Sylvester. He was just an early pope. Uh, Day eight was Mary's Day. So you were just um, celebrating Mary, unless you're Greek Orthodox, and you were celebrating Jesus' circumcision. Uh (laughs) Also a festive occasion, <laughs> and as per usual, they had bagels, whitefish salad, <laughs> and sh- the usual I'm, spread. I'm sure they did. So, um, and then finally, so fast forward, we get to day 12, Epiphany Eve, then January 5th, and it's St. John Newman, the first bishop to the U.S. to become a saint. Now, they must have changed that, obviously, but I found it quite disappointing. I'm like, that's day 12? But I was wrong. It's evidently the Twelfth Night is a humongous celebration. And many times societal roles are reversed. So like rich people serve the poor. The Twelfth Night cake is eaten. There's it's a, a Shakespeare play. Probably. Is there? It sounds Yeah, familiar. Twelfth Night. Oh. It's a comedy. And I think it's about reversed identities and people. Well, pretending. that's what happened on the Twelfth Look at this, how this is all going full circle. So evidently there's a dried bean or a pea baked into the cake. So um, if you find that bean, you become the Lord or Lady of Misrule that night. Um, There's music, there's games, there's feasting. So is this a celebration that still happens? um, I want to be invited to the cake with the dried bean in the middle. That sounds oddly appealing. (laughs) Well, here we have on New Year's Day. Not on the fifth. We have on New Year's Day in Greece. We have a cake, and inside is a coin. In the same idea as if you find the coin, we have luck all all year long. But no, this sounds like a. Fan, it's supposed to still take place. It didn't say in medieval times. Maybe if your church celebrates the sixth, probably the fifth is a big celebration. Mm-hmm. So, last but not least, what about the dang song? Well, story goes the church made it to teach children, but all about their. Um, which I don't see how that is. <laughs> 12 days of Christmas. How's that teaching children anything about the Catholic upbringing? <laughs> Nothing, no, it right? It just makes them materialistic in a agricultural For kind of way. Ducks. <laughs> 
But um, Mom, what do you mean you got me an Xbox? I wanted chickens. <laughs> exactly. Where's my maids of milking? <laughs> but there's actually yeah. really no evidence of that being a thing. So it was most likely just a folk song that they added the Catholic stuff much later. The song was written in England somewhere around 1780. So if you were to receive... Sounds British, yeah. If you were to receive all those gifts from your true love today, um, and when I say this too, one version says you would receive 364 gifts in those 12 days because Mm -hmm. when you sing the song, it says, you know, like on the second day, they gave me two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. Right. So on day two, you've already received received just two gifts. It's three. Right. But one on the first oh, day, three crap. on the when second. When you got me on the show, you did not tell me there <laughs> the would math. be so much math. I made the joke earlier about musicians can only count to four I- I've over got you and covered. over again. And it looks like I did, <laughs> in effect, say that joke again. <laughs> I've got you However covered. Don't worry. I did. Um, a one, two, most three, people... four. You better not shout. <laughs> you better not cry. Wrong episode. Back to your list. Most people, what? Most people consider it 78 gifts. You know, the partridge and pear tree, two turtle doves, three French hens, you know, not getting all the extras. Et cetera. Yeah. So yes. most people Which think is only two gifts. different from 76 trombones. Correct. You are right. Which, which maybe that's where the song came from. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so according to a bunch of websites, if you were to receive those 78 gifts today, it would cost your true love this year $1,200 more than it would have cost them last year. And it would Inflation. cost them $46,729.86. Oh, more proof that it's expensive to be in love. Better to just stay at home and cry in your loneliness. It's cheaper. And celebrating Christmas. I mean, come on. And that's it for my episode that I never intended to write. Ben, thank you so, so, so much for joining us. So have we arrived to our topic at hand? That's what the <laughs> listeners want to know. Because there was so much confusion in the they uh, will get that introduction topic. about what are we what are we learning about? What are we not learning about? You were learning Can we spend some time s- talking about what we didn't talk about? That yeah. feels a little meta. <laughs> Sorry, but that's what happens. Um, yeah, no, actually, I'm next right week that. is the episode of The Symbols <laughs> that I intended <laughs> to write the episode about. To be followed by <laughs> an episode on CYMBALS Symbols <laughs> for all the people, who, right. all the musician percussionist types who, who tuned into the first one hoping for something about and and they all wrote angry emails complaining. So we, you know, there's surprisingly large constituent when it comes to the <laughs> podcast community, uh, the cymbal players or percussionists in general. Let's of not. I know. I know. Minimize them. They now all be- matter. Now, Tiffany before we players. wrap this up, buddy. Yes. Talk to me. Tell me what it's like to be a Jewish gentleman in the time of Christmas. <laughs> and what you, you guys, know, how do you deal with it? So. One thing I want you to add to the show notes is a link to a YouTube video of the amazing South Park song um, from their original Christmas episode. When is it Kyle? Or Ky- I think it's Kyle. Yeah, Kyle Braslavsky. That's right. He's the Jewish kid. So he has a song called I'm a Jew, a Lonely Jew on Christmas, which is amazing. <laughs> so funny. And so when I first heard that, I guess I was in my 20s and it made me laugh, but with like a sort of sad clown laugh twinge with pain. And part of what makes that song so funny is, um, you know, to be a Jewish person or maybe more broadly a non-Christian person. There you go. Yep. In modern United States of America, 
is often to feel a little bit excluded or not quite fully included at the time of Christmas. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned in last week's episode, Christmas is a federal holiday in the United States, but not in its religious sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I know there are right-wing Christians who would love for um, a more Christ-oriented Christmas to be the one that is prominent and front and center in everyone's mind. But like, realistically, that version of Christmas is not really the one that uh, that is everywhere in America. I think right. it's more just kind of a, a home alone kind of Christmas or a Mariah Carey, all I want for Christmas right. is you kind of Christmas. And it's the it's the soundtrack in the malls. Mm-hmm. It's the ubiquity of Christmas advertising. Um, it's the music that our kids sing in school. So I'll give a, a couple of examples to illustrate the point. And I should say, I'm doing this with a smile. Um, because generally speaking, I find it harmless and non-offensive to me. Mm-hmm. I know there are a lot of um, non-Christian people, including a lot of my Jewish friends, who really dislike this time of year. Oh, wow. Because it can feel overwhelming if you're not into it. I know there are also, I met a guy at work who came out to me as a Christian guy who hates Christmas. Oh. I don't know if you've ever met someone like that, but they're out there. <laughs> I'm sure they're out there because Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he didn't really say why, but like we were just sort of laughing and talking me and another teacher friend because I don't know, we do like Secret Santa, but we call it we call it Secret Friend to be religiously inclusive. <laughs> but right there you see the problem, solution and absurdity of being in a multi-religious society where one religion is so dominant, right? Because right. the thing that workplaces and schools do is actually secret Santa. Let's just be real. Right. right. Um, and it, and of course the idea is we're all pretending to be like Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. So it's a fun thing, but depending upon how you feel about the ubiquity of this Christian holiday called Christmas, and the the character Santa who goes with it, you might find that fun to be included, or you might find it a little icky. Yep. Now, Santa Claus, for the record, is a not to my mind, is a non-religious totem of a holiday that can be celebrated as a family fun holiday or a holiday that is deeply religious and right. sacred. Well, I think we're anywhere in between. But don't right? you think the holiday season is kind of? I mean, okay, we call it Christmas season, holiday season, whatever it is. It all kind of gives you that same, if you don't look at the religious aspect of it and you don't want to take it that way, it's just a time when people want to actually be or around or tolerate their family. They, you know, it's kind of a, it's a happy time for the, for the yeah, most so part. So I think for some people who have good relationships with their families, it's a happy <laughs> I said time tolerate. to, ha- yeah, to have the, the family stuff. And I, when I think about like the, the Hallmark movies that we were talking mm-hmm. about last week, yep. um, it's like those tend to be very minimally religious. Right. It's just Christmas and the holiday season is the setting for mm-hmm. a, a sort of PG family friendly love affair, or whatever. Right. Love story. Um, but but coming back to the the experience of of this guy as a as a representative of of millions of others like him, it's a mixed bag, right? Because mm-hmm. you. You could say, oh, the mall is extra pretty Mm -hmm. because it has these twinkly lights and the fake snow and whatever. Or you might feel like 
they're all celebrating a holiday that's not for me. Right. That framing, I think, is probably shaped by the parents who raise us. Mm -hmm. Here's a memory I'm having. In the burbs, you know, a lot of people put out lawn ornaments and Christmas lights. Yeah. As a grown man, I think it's very pretty. Mm -hmm. As a child, I remember my mother saying, let's see who has the tackiest Christmas decorations this year. (laughs) And at the time, I didn't realize, like, how nasty Nasty that was. was. Like, it's so judgy. And like, God, she's like Santa and Rudolph. <laughs> no, uh, it's like the Grinch, man. Yeah. Yeah. Or Santa and Rudolph. Okay. I get the reference now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like at the time I didn't realize how disdainful it was. Like now as a grown man who like struggles to keep like mowing the lawn every two weeks, me- two weeks and not every four weeks. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I admire the industriousness it takes for my fellow <laughs> men oh my and women God, yeah. to climb up. And hang those lights and, and God willing, not uh, break their elbow or their back in the process. Yep. Like it's a it's a certain kind of industriousness that I appreciate. Um, the the showmanship. A, yeah, there's a lot of work that goes into that. There's I mean, a lot of work, especially you know. the people who really. And I should also mention, as a proud parent of a Jewish child, um, I've seen it through her eyes. Like we don't live in. Upper West Side Manhattan, where people are more often Jewish than not. Like, mm-hmm. we're in kind of a run of the mill suburb outside of Baltimore. And, like, yeah, there's a good amount of Jews in her school, but closer to the 2% rate than the higher rate right. you get in New York City and its suburbs. So, most of her friends and classmates are not Jewish. And because of that, she feels distinctly Jewish, not like as an oddball weirdo, but like, she knows she's not like everyone else. Mm-hmm. And so I hear echoes of that when we go to the mall and she's like, oh my God, Christmas everywhere. But then other times she's like, look at all the pretty lights. Like just, it's nice. And other yeah. times I think it's like, I wish we could have the pretty lights, which is of course the painful conversation every parent of every non-Christian child has to have. So that's a special holiday. It's not for us. We do this holiday or for the atheists out there. We don't do those (laughs) kinds of holidays, you know, but it's complicated because it does feel to quote um, the, the South Park song. When you're the only kid in town without a Christmas tree, you are a Jew, a lonely Jew on Christmas. Yeah. And it's like a little sad to feel left out. However, let's go to the flip side. Jews and other non-Christians in America have come up with lots of fun customs that they can do when it's their turn to not celebrate Christmas. The most famous one, perhaps you guys know already, because some people talk about it in the media, Jewish Christmas can often involve getting Chinese food (laughs) and going to the movies. Yep. Um, I believe it originated several generations ago when in many towns, the only restaurants open on Christmas Eve were Chinese restaurants owned by ethnic Chinese Mm -hmm. who predominantly were not yet Christians in America. Now most of them are, but you know, world war two and earlier, they may not be it, but I mean, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but don't a lot of like, isn't it really popular now that Jewish put up trees and menorahs? (laughs) Um, so so those Jews who put up a Christmas tree, I would say many of them are celebrating their interfaith households. Could be, yep, yep, didn't, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Statistically speaking, 
I believe a majority or near majority of marriages among non-fundamentalist Jews are between a Jew and a non-Jewish oh, spouse. Okay. Right. Among our more observant or traditional Jews, they're still pairing off almost predominantly Jewish Jewish. Mm -hmm. But if it's Jewish and Christian, you're probably going to have a menorah and a Christmas tree. Not not because you want to be like your neighbors, but because your family is celebrating both traditions or at least acknowledging even if you're raising your children Jewish. Your non-Jewish spouse might say, okay, we're sending them to Hebrew school, but can we at least have a Christmas tree? Right. I'm describing this, by the way, with no judgment. Nope. Um, I think it's lovely for people to celebrate how they want. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of clergy people of different faith traditions have a hard time dealing with this because traditionally speaking, we say we're in this camp or that camp. Right, right. You can't be in both camps. No. Nope. But we also know that reflects an ancient time when religion was a lot more tribal in the historical right. sense. These days, um, in the um, I, again, I am reflecting my own personal liberal progressive Jewish sensibilities that do not reflect all Jews. Mm-hmm. This is a somewhat controversial statement in some communities, but I'm okay with that. Um, I say celebrate how you like, as long as you're not hurting anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that as the parent of a Jewish child deciding where you say yes and where you say it's not for us can be complicated can be very you know? very sketchy line because yeah so, you well, meaning, like you might say this well what harm is it to put up a tree if they would enjoy decorating just having it for the light or if we decorate it wouldn't gold? feel it wouldn't feel right to my wife and i and i can't exactly explain why no no well, you brought up a certain way or whatever reason i'm saying yeah like some of the, maybe- but there's other christmas stuff that we will absolutely do ah. for instance christmas eve um switching to a more cheerful a lot of Jewish people like to find community service projects that they can do on the 24th or the 25th when all kinds of organizations have a hard time getting volunteers. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, a lot of that. Jewish yep. doctors sign up for extra shifts mm-hmm. on the 24th and the 25th so that their Christian colleagues can be home with their families. Um I think I mentioned the music episode. I think historically a lot of professional Jewish musicians pick up extra shifts mm-hmm. to do like holiday parties Yep. because yeah. they're not going to their family Christmas, but they'll yeah. work someone else's party, right? Mm-hmm. For me in my community, I think we're going to be local this year. Previously, we've often traveled um, just because it's when school's closed, right? right. Um, I call it my favorite federal holiday. Everything's closed. That's what I'll celebrate. <laughs> yep. Um, But because I'm a musician, I like to contribute my gift of song. So this year, I'm leading the Girl Scouts in a Christmas carol sing-along, I think, next week. And we're going to do it at a local, like, elder care facility. Yep, nice. That feels totally comfortable for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we're singing mostly so-called non-religious Christmas songs. And I'm over my discomfort if I ever had it. Yep. Um, At a younger age... When I was in a choir and I was in a sort of more formative moment in my Jewish identity, I remember the year we sang a a medley that had a few kind of Jesus heavy Christmas carols, for Mm -hmm. lack of a better term. And I was like, "Uh, I'm going to sit this one out. And it was like uncomfortable because I was 16 and I was like really into being Jewish. and, And my choral director was sort of like, okay. 
Yeah. Well, Sorry, we didn't mean to make you uncomfortable. Will which you come was back on back stage then. for the it's next not song? Yesterday, you know. That's uh, yeah, and uh, th- so that was in the '90s, and I think my my sense is that um, the the window of what is acceptable has shifted in different parts of the country. Yeah. I mean, look, t- in this day and age, Chris, there are people in America where at public high schools they literally have prayer on one knee before a football game. Mm-hmm. I believe that, this is me speaking as an individual, I believe that is breaking the Constitution and the law between church and too. state. Yep. But the local community is totally okay with it because they all do it and yep. there's not a non-Christian in sight. So in a certain sense, no matter what the rules are, everyone's going to find their way in their local community, in their local family, in their mm-hmm. local... And, and within their own their own heart. Um, I mean, I joke, I joked in the, in the, in the episode about all of the Jews who wrote the the Christmas songs. I'm guessing they did so not as an act of faith or devotion, but as an act of commerce. Yep. They knew (laughs) they were songwriters. If they could write a hit song, they would do well for themselves. And Oh my God, the people on that list who were hit makers, they, they probably built a house. They did well. (laughs) Yep. And then some, um, so the, to me, there's no shame in that game. Um, maybe it's a little bit more complicated if you're writing so-called sacred music. Um, but you know, we, we all, we all try to find what, what works for us and what we're comfortable with. And I'll say to this day, like we, we just attended a, uh, to end on the concert note. Cause you know, tis the season for winter and holiday concerts. So my kid goes to the local public school, proud mm-hmm. Jewish girl, in a public school, public school that's predominantly not Jewish, of course. And they had, but in this day and age, my wife and I kind of expect a token Hanukkah song on the program, Listen, maybe. I always sing dreidel, 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 but go on. It's a bop, right? <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> so many verses. Um, so there was like this big benefit concert in the community that it's partnered with a commercial radio station. So it's rather impressive. Mm-hmm. We went there as a family we did not expect or like demand Hanukkah music. It was a two hour program. There was no Hanukkah music. Not even and we one. We were like, no, not a one. Wow. And like 20 selections. And we just looked at each other and we were like a little bit surprised. Yeah. Now, maybe if we were in rural Iowa where there's nary a synagogue a hundred miles in any direction maybe we would be not surprised. We right. probably wouldn't be sitting in that middle school for that matter. So it's a weird hypothetical. But, but in this case, very, we were surprised in this yeah. day and age. And and it kind of brings up a bigger question that I'll I'll sort of end with for this long-winded discussion. Now as a Jewish, a proud Jewish American man, I'm an educator in a non-sectarian but Quaker-affiliated school <laughs> where we have a holiday concert with zero holiday music. (laughs) And that right there, folks, is a perfect example of how messy or confusing this stuff is. Yeah. I think in that case, I don't know the historical reason, but I'm going to guess with a certain amount of certainty as I want to do when I guess, (laughs) which is this. I believe people over the years decided we, we can't make everyone happy trying to include all of the the holiday stuff. So let's just not do any holiday stuff. Right. <laughs> right? All right, let's just... And maybe they got tired of singing Let It Snow right. or... And Frosty the Snowman. Frosty the Snowman. Yeah. 
as two favorite examples of snow themed Christmas songs with zero religious content. Exactly. And now it's like a historical antecedent. I kind of said it in in a in a little bit of a jokey way. I was like, why is it the holiday concert? And they were like, pregnant pause. Well, <laughs> it's next to the holiday vacation, which by the way, everyone calls Christmas vacation. Right. And that's where we live it. Or that's where we leave it. But that's where we are living in America, right? We are in a country where um no one no one thinks twice about prominent cele- visual celebrations of the Christmas holiday mm-hmm. regardless almost regardless of how of the religious content right. like there've been some famous american lawsuits about church and state with fighting over can we put the nativity scene, right. not on the church front lawn, but on the front lawn of the police station mm-hmm. or the yeah. city hall. I tend to be on the side of please, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Let's keep it on the church front lawn. Um, I know there are a lot of people in America who disagree with me strongly, and 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 I'm sure ACLU will keep fighting that fight for years to come. Oh, I'm sure it will, um, ju- it will be never ending fight. Yeah, but but I think the reason why that fight matters to people is. You know, our founders, even though they were by and large Christian men, they created this idea which differentiated us, made us very different from the church, you know, from England and the Church of England, from France and the Catholic Church of France and Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. We were going to be a secular nation founded on ideals. Right, right. As opposed to a Christian nation and so forth. So. I'm not meaning to be all soapboxy here, but I would say personally, and this might be more as a liberal American than as a Jewish American, but it's, I wear both hats, Mm -hmm. whether they're literal or, or metaphorical or invisible. Um, I don't really want to see tax dollars putting public displays of, of private religion. Right. Um, I am totally okay with my neighbor putting, a spectacular display of lights on his or her lawn, okay. and I will admire them for it. What would you say, uh, out of curiosity, because sometimes a lot of light displays or things in the center or whatever, they don't necessarily, like, not putting out the you know, the nativity, not or oh, they the, represent everybody, if it's the, just The lights. Hallmark Christmas versus the church Christmas, am I okay <laughs> with that in the public square? I find it less objectionable, but honestly... If you want to have a longer discussion on a different bloated episode, <laughs> we could talk about church and state. Oh, God. And and I think, I mean, I'm just remembering like back when my wife and I lived in New York City, New- Manhattan is amazing in New York, like in the holiday yeah. season and the, and the famous windows and the lights. It's beautiful. Right. I was also aware that they like they meaning the public authorities spent a lot of money that came from our tax dollars to hang some of these um decorations right. and you know i there's a little bit of tension there like i know why people do things in the name of tourism mm-hmm. right. because tourism is considered a public good especially in a big tourist market like new york city oh i know um, i mean tell me how but i also I a... thought like do I need to see a huge uh, wreath um, over the Holland Tunnel? Like, someone paid a lot of money for the labor to buy right. and then hang up that wreath. Right. No, I. And we all I, know it's Christmas season driving in and out of New York. Do we need that? Uh, 
it's festive. I, I is it guess worth that's, the money? that's what it is. Is it, it, it? Would you go on the fest if if you aren't putting like distinctly Catholic? If you've got the snowflakes hanging and the lights with the stars, yes, and everything, I, but no, nativity. I cringe less for a snowflake than a wreath, <laughs> and a, I cringe less for a wreath than a nativity scene. <laughs> And a nativity scene is slightly less an objectionable than a huge ass cross. Right. But the point of the the joke there is that they are degrees on a theme. Right. Um, look, I I've mentioned several times in our conversations today and last time that I'm proudly Jewish. So part of the Hanukkah celebration is you put the menorah, the Jewish candelabra, in the window to like proclaim right. the miracle. And I think there's very there all of these Christian symbols are 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 similar versions on a different theme, right? right? Like right. we we believe in the Christmas miracle, the birth of, of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and we want to spread the the good news, right? Mm -hmm. That's what the Nativity and right. and I and I guess a lot of the decorations are about. I'm just always concerned about who's paying for that. Um because right. we have other things that, that we have to take care of in the public square. That's I would love to see an equal amount of effort going into beautifying public spaces the other 10 months of the year. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that doesn't have to do with religion. I think that has to do with commerce. Oh, definitely. definitely. At this point, in 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 most cases. And, um, you know, and so there you go. Yeah, I mean, really. Okay, well, once again, we're here. But I know you have a guitar over there. And I know... Did oh yeah, yeah, share yeah, some songs yeah, with yeah, us yeah. today. Yes. When 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 you messaged me this morning, I was like, I'm gonna have to uh, to sing a tiny bit. When you're ready. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Prospero año y felicidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad, Feliz Navidad, Prospero Año y Felicidad. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas from the bottom of my heart. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas from the bottom of my heart. Yay! Because we discussed it at Tremendous Length. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me, folks, do the moves at home, <laughs> two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. Skipping to the twelfth verse on the twelfth day. Oh, that was a that was a risky move. No, on the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. Oh my God, um, four French hens, I think so. Four French on hens. The fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me four French hens, three turtle doves. No, three French hens. Jesus Christ! What the hell's a four? And a partridge in a pear tree. And this is a song with no Jesus Christ. And yet that version had a Jesus Christ. And with that, folks, I wish you a Merry Christmas, my favorite federal holiday, and uh, and Happy New Year. And Happy Hanukkah, Ben. Thank you yeah, so much. Yeah, yeah, we got, we got all of it. And all the other holidays that we didn't include. Sorry. Mm -hmm. um, 
Ben, I want to thank you so, so, so much for jumping into these past two episodes. Because uh, Deb Glad was... to help. Deb was back then. I know I only give you like minutes to jump on, but you obviously did a great job. Well, thanks for that. I appreciate it. No minute like the last minute. Um, and that includes holiday shopping, guys. If you're listening to this and it's like December 23rd, I encourage you to visit your local drugstore. It's where I do a lot of my holiday shopping, even when I plan in advance. Um, so, <laughs> even an Exxon station does in a pinch. Come on. <laughs> yeah. In the United States, we have this thing called Hess trucks, which are available at Hess gas stations. I don't know, even know if that's still a thing. but It is still a thing, yeah. It is still a thing, it yeah. Is, so yeah. get your gasoline and other themed gifts while you can. Remember, it is um, it is the thought that counts slash the retail value, depending <laughs> on the nature of your relationship. So again, maybe before you go shopping, reevaluate your relationships and then shop accordingly. That's <laughs> that's the advice I'm going to leave you with today. Well, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Um, oh, you've got some. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, uh, I'm still out here promoting my little musical comedy about hospice. It's called Life Review Musical. My website's lifereviewmusical.com. Find me on Instagram at Life Review Musical. And uh, I mean, you can also find me in Maryland. I'm dressed like this, but again, audio medium that doesn't help. I sound like this. So just walk around saying, hello, Ben. Hello. And I'm sure you'll find me. It's a small state. <laughs> it is a small state. It is. Well, th again, thank you so much. And I think everybody knows where to find Today We Laughed and Learned. It's me and Deb. But we are over on Twitter at Today We Laughed. Or you can see us at uh, Facebook and Instagram, Today We Laughed and Learned. You can drop us an email at todaywelaughedgmail.com. All the usual stuff. So, Ben, today I think we can definitely say we laughed. And learned about wacky Christmas trivia. Question mark? That's a good way to calendars. sum it up. It's all about the calendars, <laughs> folks. Have a good night, everyone. <laughs>